of 1 John chapter 1. <clears throat> what I'm going to try to do, <coughs> I'm going to try, if the Lord will allow me, I'm going to try to, uh, I'm going to try to preach through the book of 1 John in these uh, early services. Um, and the reason why, it, I said if the Lord allows me, if he lays something else on my heart, we'll be doing something else next week. But I'm going to try in the next few, uh, next few weeks, next month or two, to try to preach through 1 John. And the reason is because 1 John is kind of like, like Christianity 101, I guess. Uh, it gives us the foundation, gives us the basics, gives us all the things that we need to know about what it means to be in Christ. And, and you might be thinking, you know, you might be thinking that what so many other people think is that, uh, you know, well, I already got all that. I already got all the basics down. I, I know what being a Christian means. I know what Jesus did for me and all those things. And, you know, so uh, I, I really need to go into the into the advanced class. I don't really need to, you know, spend my time worrying about the gospel. If you know me for any any length of time, you know how how foolish I think that is. Um, we uh, we we need to be uh, rooted and founded not only in the gospel uh, for that time when you you might think it's Sunday school material or whatever, but as we grow and mature in Christ, what that means is growing and maturing in the gospel. What it means is growing and in, in maturing in, in what Christ did for us. So as we look at First John chapter one, I'm just going to take the first four verses and I'm going to I'm going to preach on those today, and hopefully, unless unless the Lord changes something. In me and gives me a, gives me something else that that you need to hear. I'm going to go through the rest of the chapter next week, and then we'll just keep going as long as the Lord allows us. So let's pray as we uh, we get ready. Father, we love you. We come before you today, thanking you, God, for your your mercy. Thank you for your uh, your grace and what you've done for us. We ask that Lord that you would be with us today as we come to study your word. We come to look into what you've given us, God. We uh, we, we can't survive without uh, without the scripture that you've given us and how the Spirit within us. Uh, makes that scripture come alive in our lives and our hearts. God, we've come today to, to feast on what you've given us, and we thank you for that, Lord. We ask that you would just uh, anoint this word, that you would just use it for your glory, that your spirit would descend in this place in such a way that these words would just jump right off the page, and they would, uh, they would take root in our hearts, and they would grow uh, into fruit that's, uh, that's uh, easily seen in our lives. We ask that you change us today, and we thank you for all that you are in us, all that you're doing for us and doing through us. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. And uh, this book of 1 John, as we look at the very beginning, I'm just going to read the first four verses. Uh, what's going on? 1 John was written, if, you, if we were to flip all the way over to the fifth chapter, it's only five chapters, so it's a little bitty book. But if, uh, if we were to flip over, John tells you exactly why he's writing the book. He says, I write these things that you may what? That you may know that you have eternal life and that the eternal life is in his son. And so uh, already we're given a clear picture as to why the book is written, what it's used for, what it it's it's used to give you assurance. It's used so you can know what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be a follower, disciple of Christ. And you're to measure your life by what you see written in this book. So many times we measure uh, the book by what we see in our life. And that's totally backwards. If 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 God's word says that it, it's true whether you believe it or not, whether you uh, experience it in that way or not. If it says it, it's true. And so what we're going to do is we're going to find that uh, John was, when he's writing, writing this book, we're going to see a lot of different people were coming into the church teaching a lot of different things. And there were people that had already come into the church and they were, they were saying different things. I could go through a bunch of different heresies that were going on. Uh, people saying we have the true knowledge and we have the, the higher spirituality. And, you know, I could give you the name 
names of those heresies. And if you want those, come see me after. But uh, the reality of what was going on, whether you understand exactly the false teaching that was going on or not, is that people were trying to reinvent Jesus. They were trying to give their own ideas of who Jesus was. These people John are writing to, they never saw Jesus in the flesh, just like you and I. You didn't walk with him. You weren't in Galilee in 33 AD. You weren't, uh, you weren't around there. But we know by faith the Holy Spirit's made it alive in our hearts that we know that Jesus is still alive today. He was uh, died for our sins, buried and crucified and, and uh, risen from the grave. We know it today. And, and so what we have here is people were coming into the church and as we if you flip over to the second chapter we're not going to but you'll see that these people had also left the church it says they went out from among us because they were not of us and what was going on is these people were saying now we're the true christians we're the ones that are really following jesus we're the ones that have the real spirituality we're the ones that are the mature you guys over there y'all are still working on the basics Y'all are still, y'all are still taking the baby steps. We're the ones who have the whole deal going on and you need to come follow us. And so people in the true church, the one that follows Christ, the true Christ, were, were, were getting kind of mixed up going, well, wait a minute. These guys over here saying that they're the true Christians and, 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 but, but we have the, the scripture here, John and Peter and Paul, they, they told us this. And so what, what do we do here? And John is writing so that they would know that you have eternal life. And he gives us throughout the book, he's going to give tests. He's going to give uh, the test of doctrine, whether you believe rightly what the apostles taught, what Jesus taught. He's going to give the test of obedience. Does your life look like what Jesus taught and preached and what he told us that the believer's life will look like? And the third thing is, do you love because the father's love is inside of you? And you're going to see those over and over again. But right here at the beginning, what we see is that we're going we're gonna to talk about the true Jesus. We're going to talk about the true nature of what it means to be a Christian. And uh, let me just read the four verses that we're going to look at today. In chapter 1, verse 1, it says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled the word of the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it. And bear witness and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us, that which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you that your joy... May be full. And so what we see here is at the very beginning, before we even start, he's going to tell us what it means to be what true Christianity is, what what true being a true disciple of Christ is. And what it is, he's going to give us three things, really. Uh, you know, it's got to be it's got to be a good sermon because I got three points. That's uh, that's like I think that's biblical somewhere. But the first thing he's going to show us is the experience of what it means to be a true Christian. The second thing he's going to show us is the message of true Christianity. And the third thing is the purpose. Why? Why is it that uh, why is it that we're doing all this? What's the purpose of being a Christian, so to speak? I put my little quote marks up in there. The first thing is the experience of true Christianity. He says he says that which was from the beginning, which we heard, which we have seen with our eyes. We've looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life. That kind of awkward sounding, isn't it? He's like, you know, what we're gonna, what I'm gonna tell you about in this book, what I'm gonna write to you about, church, this is what John's saying, what I'm gonna write to you about is the word of life. 
I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to show you what it means to be alive, what it means to have eternal life. He says eternal life in the second verse here as we look at it. He's, I'm going to explain to you this life. But look what he says. He says, yeah, let me read it. He says, for the life was manifest and we have seen it, bear witness to it, showing to you that eternal life, which was with the Father, was manifested to us. It's almost strange how he writes it. I'm going to tell you about the word of life. I'm going to tell you about eternal life. You know, there's this big thing going on where people say, no, we have the life. No, we have the life. He said, I'm going to tell you about the life. But he almost says it, it, it almost just sounds strange that he says we saw the life. We heard the life and we touched the life. How do you touch? How do you touch the word of life? How do you touch? I mean, it, it almost doesn't even make sense the way he starts out this uh, first two verses. But in reality, we know what he's talking about. He's talking about Jesus himself. He said, we, the one that was from the beginning, the one that was the Alpha and the Omega, the one that was with the Father, it says that in the second verse, the one who is eternal life himself, we, we walked with him. John's talking about him and the apostles. We walked with him. We saw him. He was manifested to us. He, we heard him. We listened to his teaching. We touched him. He, remember that point in, uh, in the gospel where he says, you know, you, he had risen from the dead. He said, you touch the nail scars in my hand. You see that uh, spirit hath not flesh and bones as you see that I have. And he told uh, uh, John, the writer of this, uh, the, this book here, uh, he, he uh, reclined on Jesus' head at the Last Supper. He said, we, we actually handled the word of life. We actually saw it, touched it. And the, the reality of what we're seeing is here is that uh, what he's saying is this is not just a belief system. This is not just a, f- a philosophy or, or an idea. This is not just uh, men coming up with thoughts and, you know, you can see the people that would come and maybe the next generation that come and that say that they're Christians and would say, you know what, we, we've had some deep thoughts about this whole Christianity thing and about the, the ideas that go along with it. And this is what we think and this is what we uh, are, are thinking in our, in our minds. And, and John is saying, look, it's not about Christianity. It's not about just you understanding a set of facts that are true my belief is better than your belief or, you know, my, my worldview is better than your worldview. My, my philosophy of life, my, the things that we, uh, now, the things that we, uh, know that are true and, and believe that are true. It's not just about coming up with a set of doctrines that you think are correct and placing those in order in your mind and saying, well, since I believe the right things, I must be, I must be a Christian. Now, don't get me wrong. You do have to believe certain things to be a Christian. Don't you can't say, well, I'm a Christian and I don't believe Jesus was God. Well, that that disqualifies you from being a Christian. But what John is saying here is that you can't say that I am a follower, disciple of Christ uh, unless you have met this Christ, unless you have met this word of life. It's about a relationship with a man, this man, Jesus Christ, God and man together. It's about experiencing him. It's about having this uh, deep and abiding, saving relationship with him. It's not about just coming and listening to me give you point one, point two, point three, and saying, you know what? I think those are right. That means I'm a Christian. No, it's about being born again by the spirit of God as you encounter this risen Jesus who's risen from the dead. It's about having an encounter. It's about having, Brother Billy would say, a visitation. It's about, it's about this person. I put my faith in not a worldview, not a belief system, not a philosophy, not a set of facts, but I put my faith in a person. That person is Christ. And all my hope, all my trust, all my faith, all my belief is, is not just in uh, this set of things that I believe, but it's in a person. Paul said, I know whom I have believed in. 
And I'm, I know that he is able to keep that which I have given uh, to him unto that day. And so it's about a person. John is saying, look, look, you guys are you guys are fighting. And you're, you're getting mixed up about this, this guy over here saying, oh, I got this belief system and ours is whatever. He's true, true Christianity is about experiencing this person. It's about handling Jesus. It's about, it's about seeing him, hearing him. Now, you guys are, are with me. You didn't get to see him. You didn't live in 30 AD or, or first century, whatever. You guys are, are here with me. But we still have an experience with Christ. We still have a relationship with Christ if we are born again. He comes to you. He calls you by his spirit. And he says, look, I want to adopt you. I want to come and redeem you. I want to save you from your sin. And so we have an experience with Christ. We have a relationship with Christ. If you are truly born again, it's not just about accepting facts. That's what John is saying. He's saying, look, we're going to, I'm going to show you that which was from the beginning. I'm going to show you that which I saw. I'm going to show you what I heard. I'm going to show you that what I handled. And he says, it's the word of life and it is the eternal life. And in verse two, he calls him the eternal life. He says, I want to show unto you that that eternal life, which was with the father and was manifested to us. He's not talking about a philosophy. He's not talking about a group of ideas or a systemized way of looking at the world or eternity or spiritual things. He's talking about a person. He's talking about Jesus, both God and man, who was manifested. He was with the Father. He was from the beginning. Does that sound like familiar verses you might have heard before? John wrote the exact same thing in John 1.1. He says, in the beginning was what? In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. You read on down in John 1, it says the Word became flesh and He dwelt among us. And so what He's talking about here is about having an experience with Christ, about trusting in the person, trusting in the God-man, the one who uh, was eternally existed and He took the form of a man and He was born in Bethlehem. He died for your sins. He was buried and in three days He rose again from the dead. It's not just about a plan. It's about a man. It's about someone that we put our trust in, not something. It's someone. This word of life that you guys are all arguing about, this thing that's getting y'all all mixed up and upset, and you're wondering whose philosophy is right, whose worldview is right. Now, please don't hear me. I'm going to say it again. Don't get me twisted. We do have doctrines that we follow. We do have belief systems that we have that Christ has given us in his word. But the, to be a Christian, true Christianity is about a relationship with this person. It's not just about accepting facts and, and making sure we understand that this is right and this is wrong. We're going to get into that. John's going to talk about things that we, we know are not true. He says, if anyone says that the, the son has not come in the flesh, then he's, uh, he's not of God. And so we're going to talk about things that that we know that are true and we have to accept the truth. But right at the beginning, verse one, verse one and two, he says, look, don't get mixed up and think that you're just uh, you're just coming along, believing in a a, a system or a philosophy or a, a group of ideas. You're trusting if you're a saved person, you're a Christian, a believer, you are trusting in a person to pay for your sin. A person to be your advocate before the Father. A person to take all your sins and to give you His righteousness. He says, you need to understand that you have experienced a person. Jesus Christ, the Word of life. He is the Word of life. 
He is the eternal life. Jesus himself, uh, John writes in his gospel, Jesus said, he said, uh, this is eternal life. That they would know you, he's praying to God, they would know you, the one true God, and him who you, you have sent. That is eternal life. Eternal life is not just something where we say, you know what, I'm going to get to go to heaven one day. That's part of it, of course. We're going to live eternally. But eternal life, Jesus said in John 17, 3, I think it is, he said eternal life is that they would know you. And Paul said, you know, you, you and I, we know Christ in the power of his resurrection. He says, I, I give up all those things to, to, so I could know him in the power of his resurrection. We're not talking about just me standing up here and giving you uh, step one, step two, step three, step four. And you believe those things and you, you're in the secret club. Let me teach you the handshake and give you a membership card and it's all good. We're talking about you trusting in the work and the, and the life of a person, Jesus of Nazareth who died for your sins. We're talking about, we're talking about a relationship with a person. So he says that which was from the beginning, that which we heard, that which, which we saw, we handled the word of life. He said, this eternal life was with the father in verse two. And it was man and he was manifest. It says it was manifest to us, but he's talking about the word of life, eternal life. He's talking about Christ. He was manifest to us. And look what he says in those two verses before we go on to verse three. This Jesus doesn't change. You know, you can't come, you can't come and reinvent Jesus like all these people were trying to do. That's why John wrote this book so that you would know that you have eternal life. He's going to say, no, this is the true Jesus. This is not, this is not Jesus. This might be something you're calling Jesus. A lot of people today will reinvent who Jesus is. You know, they'll reinvent him. And, and, and it's funny to me that it's usually the things that I like to do that the Bible says are sins is usually how I'll make my, my new Jesus. Uh, I'll form him to like the things that I like, and I'll form him to dislike the things that I dislike. And that's pretty much making a God in your own image. What, what these guys were doing, and what people so often today do, they'll come and they'll say, you know what, Jesus is all about, I was talking to some folks just this week, and uh, good folks, and, and th- th- they could not understand, you know, Jesus is just not offensive. He is not going to offend anyone. He's so meek and mild, and yes, he is. Uh, but when I brought up the fact that Jesus actually was very offensive when it came to the Pharisees and the religious leaders, and I mean, he was kind of in their face. You know, he was kind of calling them whitewashed tombs and brood of vipers and, you know, woe to you, you're going to stand before judge. I mean, he, he was kind of offensive when it comes to those guys. They just could not, no, 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 no. They could not understand that Jesus would be that dogmatic about something. That Jesus wouldn't just go along to get along. That was kind of their thing is Jesus is not going to, Jesus would never come up and he would never challenge somebody and offend them in that way. The way you, usually they're talking about the way that I, I would do. But, uh, I, you know, so I'd bring up about that. and that, That's not how Jesus would act. But the reality is I got it in black and white. It's written right here in the book. Let's flip through the page and, and I'll show you what verse I'm talking about. And the reality was that they were kind of just reinventing their own Jesus. Now, we, we, we know that, and, and I can say, you know, you can't just remake your Jesus, and, and somebody it would come to you and say, well, let me tell you, Jesus is, you know, whatever. Uh, but these people are claiming that they're Christians. They're claiming that they're believers. If I were to come to you, let me clarify what I was saying. If I were to come to you and say, you know what, to be honest with you, I just believe that there's a satellite above the earth, 
and it's, it's uh, spinning around earth and it accepts my prayers through an antenna. And I call that satellite Jesus and I pray to him and he's going to save me from my sins. You would look at me and you say, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. That Jesus is not going to help you. Y'all don't care if you call it Jesus. You can call it Father, Son, Holy Ghost, whatever you want to call it. That's not the real Jesus. He's, that Jesus is not going to help you at all. You can't stand before the Father and say, well, I believe in this satellite, you know, that accepts my prayer. That's not Jesus. I don't care what you call it. Well, the reality is that Christ has revealed himself in his word to us. And any way that we divert from that... You're talking about a different Jesus. So the, the reality is that we have to accept this Jesus that was from the beginning. He, this, is, this is the one that doesn't change. He's not going to mold to your culture. He's not going to mold to your new modern mindset. You know, a lot of things going on in the world today. I'm not going to, you know, you, you all know about what's going on. There a lot of things, you know, times, times are changing. And we as, uh, we as believers have to change our doctrine, have to change our whatever to accept those things. Understand that John says this was from the beginning. This is from the very beginning and it don't change. It's the one that was with the father and he's the one that was manifested to us. He, he, this is the Jesus that we preach. This is the eternal life. If you say, you know, I could tell you, I, I think I said this the other day, but you know, I, I, if I talk to my, about my wife and I was telling you all about Dana and about who she is and whatever, and, and, and I come up and I said, and you said, well, what does she look like? And I said, you know, she's like a, what, a six foot tall Native American woman. You know, you, you would, you would say, you know, if you knew Danny, you'd be like, I don't know who it is you're talking about, but that's not, that's not, that's not your wife. You know, so I'm sure she wouldn't appreciate me talking about six foot tall Native American woman either. But the, understand that unless you, unless you understand what scripture says, unless you understand who Jesus has revealed himself as, you have something you might call Jesus. But it's not the Jesus of Scripture. It's not the Jesus that will save your soul. He says, he says, it's the one that was with the Father. I'll give you just another quick example and then we'll move on. You know, so many people will deny the fact that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But John says, look, the Jesus that I'm preaching here, the, the eternal life, the one who is the word of life, he was the one that's with the Father. So if you, you know, you can deny all day long that God is Father, Son, Holy Spirit, but you're praying to a different God than I'm praying to is what John's saying. This Jesus that we're talking about, the one who is eternal life, the one who is the word of life, this is the one that was from the beginning and this is the one that was with the Father. He is the eternal Son that has eternally been with the Father. And so he's saying, look, you, the belief in Christianity, following Christ, being a disciple, being born again, saved, however you want to call it, however you want to characterize it. This is not just about accepting a philosophy. This is about a relationship with a real person, one who is alive today, who can hear when you speak and who speaks to you. One who, one who died for your sin. This is an experience with a person. It's a relationship with a person. It's not just accepting one, two, three. And if you accept my belief system, then you're in the club. Understand it is faith, but it's faith in Jesus. It's faith in a person. And so as we moving on, I I don't want to take too much time, but understand that Paul said, look, if, 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 if any man, if an angel or if we preach any other gospel, then, then let them be accursed. Any other Jesus, there's no other gospel, no other Jesus. And so we, we understand that. Uh, and so the second thing, the message of true Christianity, I, I got this also from verse one and two, but uh, it's Jesus. He is the message. Look what John's saying. 
He's saying, look, I'm not coming preaching to you about ideology or philosophy or vain words or, 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 or belief systems or whatever. I'm preaching Christ to you. I'm preaching him. He said, he says, go back to verse two, Sarah Beth. He, he says, for this life was manifested. We've seen it. And what do we do? We bear witness and we show unto you. What are we showing you? That eternal life, which was with the father and was manifested to us when we're preaching, when we're teaching, when we're bearing witness, when we're testifying, what are we doing? Are we, we, we trying to indoctrinate you into a, a philosophical worldview about that you need to accept? No, we're trying to introduce you to a person. We're trying to introduce you to this Christ who's risen from the dead. He said, this is what we are preaching. This is what we're doing. We're presenting this life, which is Christ. To you, Paul said, I don't want to know anything else among you except the gospel. I don't want to know anything else among you but Christ and him crucified. When I came to you preaching, all I preached was Christ and him crucified. So often, and what's going on here is that we're going to see as we move through the book of First John that people were preaching all kind of different things. And today, you know, you might hear someone and, and I'm not talking about the ones who would say, well, this Jesus wasn't really, you know, there wasn't really a person named Jesus or anything like that. I'm talking about the folks who actually say I am a Christian and we go to a Christian church. But when you go to the Christian church and I use the scare quotes, but when you go and you sit down in this Christian church, what you hear is, hey, you know what? Today we're going to look at these biblical principles for making your life better. We're going to look at these principles for, you know, having a a better marriage or having better luck with your finances or how to how you can live better, how you can make the world a better place. And and in and of themselves, you know, those are really good things. I don't I don't really have anything against us using biblical principles to get our finances right or whatever. But unless they're founded in the gospel, the person and the work of Jesus Christ, it's not Christianity. It's not when I come and I say, look, I've got point one, point two, and point three. This is what you need to do. You need to live better. You need to act better and you need to be better. That might be a wonderful message. It might be a great thing, but that's not Christianity. If you could live better, do better and act better, you wouldn't need a Jesus to save your soul. And so what we do is we preach Christ and him crucified. And so John's making a distinction right here at the beginning. He's saying, look, uh, there might be a lot of other folks coming in and going out of your church and John's writing this to that. These people would know that they have eternal life. Might be a lot of people saying a lot of different things, but the only message that we gave you, he's talking about the apostles that Jesus sent. The only message that we gave you was Jesus Christ and him crucified. Everything is built upon that. You know, when, uh, when Paul and Paul does talk about, you know what, you need to have a better marriage, but what does he do? He compares it and builds it on the gospel. He says, husbands, you'll love your your wife like what? Like Christ loved the church. And so he even builds his, if you want to call it marriage counseling in Ephesians, he builds that on the gospel. And so everything that we say, everything that we preach, everything that we do, everything that we learn, everything that we are is built on the person and the work of Christ. If it's not built on that foundation, it's just fluff. It's not the gospel. I can come and I can tell you how to behave. I can come and I can tell you, you know, you need to do better. I can come and tell you, you know what, we need to band together and make the world a better place for everybody to go to hell from. But what I'm really telling you is that we, to have eternal life, to be changed and to have your life changed from the inside out, not from the outside in, you have to meet this man. You have to meet this person. You have to come into relationship with this Christ. 
I can tell you what to believe. I can tell you the right things. I can march Satan up here himself, stand him on this stage, and he would say, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. I believe that, uh, that Jesus is going to come back someday. So the Satan himself would believe the same facts that a lot of people believe. But we, he doesn't want no personal relationship. He doesn't want to be saved from his sin. He doesn't want to be, he doesn't want to bow the knee to this Christ. He doesn't want to know this person. The very first demon that uh, Jesus ran up on in, chap- in Mark uh, chapter 1, I think it is. He said, what do you have to do with me, Jesus? I know who you are, son of the most high God. All he wanted was away from him. All he wanted was away from him. So what we're saying here is <clears throat> the message that we preach, the true Christian message is always the gospel. It was the gospel a thousand years ago. It was the gospel 2000 years ago. It was the gospel. It says verse one from the beginning. It was the gospel. If the world keeps spinning for another thousand years and we'll, people are still here. Christ hadn't returned a thousand years from now. You know what the truth will be? Doesn't matter what the culture is. Doesn't matter how far the world goes left when they should be going right or goes right when they should be going left. The truth will still be Jesus Christ and him crucified. For all eternity. And so that is, that is the message. That's the message. And then as we're going to end up here in verse 3 and 4, look at the purpose. There's two purposes. This is not just so you will believe better. This is not just so you will act better and live better. This, that is not the purpose that John is writing. That's not the purpose Jesus came for. He says, that which we have seen and heard, we declare unto you, He says this so that that ye also may have what fellowship fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the father and with his son Jesus Christ. And so the first thing you see is that the purpose for this is so that you would have fellowship with us. It's not just not just fellowship getting together, you know, uh, uh, getting together with some folks and going out to the steakhouse and eating. It's talking about true fellowship with the bride of Christ, which is the only fellowship you can have that has fellowship with the father and the son. We're talking about true fellowship united with Christ. And so the purpose for us to bring this message, the purpose of Christ revealing himself to you is not just to get your ticket punched so you can go to heaven. It's not just to come and say, you know, uh, uh, it's all good. I've got my ticket and, and, and I'm just waiting around now to go into the, the eternal life and uh, get somebody to feed me grapes on a beach in a hammock for eternity. You know, that's not it at all. The purpose is that God so loved you. He sent his son to die for you so that you, despite your sin, despite all the things that uh, that you are in and of yourself, Despite all the wickedness that resides in your heart and in my heart as well, despite all that, we could come into fellowship with this God of the universe who is perfectly holy and cannot accept any sin in his presence whatsoever. He gave himself, he gave himself a sacrifice for us so that we could come and be in fellowship with him. That's the purpose for the whole thing. The father and the son and the spirit existed in a love relationship with each other for all eternity. And they want, he, they, I say they, he made this creation to bring those bearing the image of God into fellowship with him. Because you know what happened? It all got messed up. 
Sin entered the picture. And you could talk about Adam and Eve and what they did, but it really all comes down to you and what you did. And so the reality is you cannot come into this relationship that God designed you to be in, that God created you to be in because of the sin that resides in your heart and in your life. And you don't, you, you sin because you're a sinner. You don't become a sinner because you're sin. Your heart is desperately wicked, just like mine. And so we can't come into fellowship with God. And so God, knowing that there's no way it's going to happen, he sends his son to take on flesh, be born of a virgin, die for your sin and mine, be buried and then raised from the grave, defeating death and hell and bringing his people, his people into fellowship with the father. Bringing his people back into the throne room of God and saying their debt has been paid. They can come into fellowship with you. There is no more stain on their account. The books, when they're open, there'll be no, nothing that, uh, nothing that blots your name. It'll be perfectly written in the Lamb's book of life because of what Jesus did for you. And so what John's saying here, he says, look, we're proclaiming this to you. We're proclaiming. We declare unto you what we've seen and heard. The reason is not just so you'll join our club. It's not just so you'll be ready when you die. It's so that you will have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the father and with the son. Understand that it's very exclusive. That's a bad word today. We want to be inclusive. But the reality is John's saying, look, if you are not trusting in this person who we declare to you, if you're not trusting in Jesus, the God man, then you don't have fellowship with us. You don't have fellowship with us and therefore you don't have fellowship with the father and the son. There's only one church. You know, there's only one. There's only one people of God. There's only one uh, church of Jesus Christ. And that that's all the people who are born again. All the people who have this relationship with Christ, who have trusted him by faith and received the grace of God. That's it. There's no other club. There's no other. There's no JV team. There's no, you know, well, I'm not as good as those folks, so I'm just going to lay back here and at least I'm going to get in. You know, I may not have, you know, you heard somebody say, well, I may not have all the crowns that so-and-so has, but at least I'm going to get in. There's no JV team. It's only one church of Jesus Christ. He says, he says, you are, you are ordained unto good works. What's inside of you is going to come out the, from the, from the treasure of the heart, the mouth is going to speak. So what Christ puts into you, salvation itself is always going to manifest itself in your life. And so there's, there's only one fellowship. There's only one fellowship. And he says, look, the purpose of this is so that you would have fellowship with us. And that fellowship is also with Christ, with, with the Father and with the Son. That's, that's the biggest red flag for me is, I'll just tell you, this is kind of a side note just for your own benefit. The biggest red flag for me. If somebody's trying to teach me something, somebody's trying to instruct me in something, somebody's trying to counsel me in something, is that they don't have fellowship with Christ's people. You don't have fellowship with Christ's people. I'm, ta- I'm not talking about just attendance. I'm talking about fellowship. You don't have fellowship with Christ's people. Don't try to tell me nothing. You, you're, you're already in open rebellion to God. So you know what? You may even be right. That's fine. But I'm not taking it because, you, you, I mean, you, you're missing the baby step. Fellowship with God, that, that's something that comes natural. When, when you read through Acts, you guys are going through Acts right now in Sunday school. What happened? When 3,000 people got saved, 4,000 you know, days later, and then you go through Acts and the gospel's going. What happened when they were saved? 
They immediately began fellowship and breaking bread, praying together, worshiping together. I mean, you see it over and over and over again. The Bible doesn't know about this kind of Christianity that says, you know what, uh, me and Jesus got our thing going, but I don't really know anything about his bride or about his, about his church or anything. That, that's foreign to what Scripture says. And so John's saying, look, the reason that we are preaching, the reason we're declaring unto you is so that you'll have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and the Son. And there's one other reason in verse 4. That's the last verse we're going to look at. It says, and these things we're writing. I'm writing these to you. Why? So that your joy may be full. He's talking about the joy of not just us, but he's talking to all those who believe in Christ. He's talking about he and the apostles as they write these things for us. He's talking about the joy, that your joy will be complete. I don't know about you, but there's there's no greater joy. No greater joy than knowing that everything is everything is fine and perfect in my relationship with the God of the universe who spun those stars in the sky. There's no greater joy. Now, are, are things going to happen or am I going to be sad some days? Maybe I'll lose loved ones. Maybe something happens. Of course. But understand, there is a deep and abiding joy in the, the very pit of your soul, knowing that no matter what goes on, it's all good. It's going to be all good. There's going to come a day when all things are going to be made right. I won't have to worry about no more sickness. I won't have to worry about no more death or parting or all those things. All the things that are crooked. All the things that are crooked, all the things that are wrong, all the things that have been messed up in this creation because of man and his sin are going to be made right. And I'm going to live eternally in fellowship with the Father and the Son and the Bride of Christ forever and ever and ever. I don't have to worry about that. He said, we're writing these things to you so that your joy will maybe maybe made full. A lot of people, I was telling Brother Eddie this morning, you know, a lot of people, they, they try to talk themselves into having joy. They try to talk themselves into, I was with a person just, uh, just the other day, this weekend, you know, that, you know, I was telling, they were talking about, I, I lost a few pounds and, and they were saying, you know, well, what's changed? Why, what motivated you? And I said, well, when you work around people dying all the time and getting their chest pumped on, that, that kind of motivates you to say, hey, I might need to cut down on the cheeseburgers, you know. And this person who was a lot younger than me said, well, I thought about that, but you know, when it just comes my time, I'm just going, it's going to be all good. I just live, you know, I'm going to do, I was like, yeah, that's easy to say, shoveling steak in your mouth. So, but you get up on that ninth floor of the hospital when the doc comes in, it's a whole different ball game. It's a whole different deal. It's a whole different deal. Say, so, well, I'm just going to take it as it comes. Well, yeah, yeah. You knock that out with your 30 year old self. You know, I, I hear you understand trying to talk yourself into it's going to be fine. I'll just, man, I'm just going to man up when it comes my time. It's all good. Yeah. No, that's a whole lot different than having the joy of knowing, Hey, you know, I I ain't rushing. I ain't getting up a busload to go to heaven right now. But if today comes, I know it's going to be fine because I'm right with God and he's right. He he's given me his, his righteousness. So it's all good. It really is all good. I don't have to. I, I can be honest about the fact that, you know, to be I, I, I'm not ready to jump on the train and go right now. You know, I want to see my kids grow up. I want to see, you know, I, I can be honest about that. But I can also be honest about the fact that, you know, I have joy knowing that everything is right with God. Everything is right with my soul. Everything is right. And it's, it's going to be fine. If that if that's what God's plan is, that's what God's will is. You know what? I'm fine with it. It's going to be fine. There's no joy. Like knowing that you have fellowship with God, knowing that you have fellowship with his people. There's no joy like knowing Jesus Christ is your personal Lord 
and Savior. There's only one Jesus. He's the one that's Savior and Lord. He's, he is Lord of all. He is the given all authority in heaven and earth. That's what God says. And so the only question, the only que- the, the question, I, I say it all the time and there's nothing wrong with it. You need today to make him Lord. And I'm going to say that that's a, that's a good thing. You need to make him your Lord. But what I mean by that is, what I mean by that is that he is Lord. The question is whether you're going to submit to him or not. The question is whether you're going to, you're going to remain in rebellion or you're going to bow to this one who is King of Kings and he is Lord of Lords. And the reality is that we know from scripture that there's going to come a day that you will bow to him one way or the other. And so what John's trying to, he's, oh, this is just kind of the introduction to the book. And unless the Lord impresses upon me and changes my mind, I'm, I'm going to preach the rest of the chapter next, next week. And I'm, we're going to just keep going through first John, unless God just calls me to do something else. Uh, but what he's doing is he's introducing the topic to you. He's saying, look, this, this Christianity thing, this uh, faith in Christ, this new life that you have, this is not just some philosophy we're believing in. This is not just some uh, group of ideas that you need to accept. This is relationship with a person. This is putting your trust in, in God, the God-man, this, the one who died for your sins. And this is the message that we're always going to preach. It's never going to change. You're going to come back next Sunday, and thankfully you're at a church where the message is going to be the same next week as it is this week. It's going to be Jesus Christ and Him crucified. We may be preaching out of Genesis, we may be preaching out of Revelation, but it's going to be Jesus Christ and Him crucified because that's the topic of the Bible. We heard just this week, I'm trying not to go over time, we heard, just this week, uh, a man stood up to quote unquote preach and said, and said, the Bible's not about you. And then preached 20 minutes about himself. And so you understand that the Bible's about Jesus Christ and him. That is the, there's no other message. There's no other message that's going to give you fellowship with God. That's going to give you righteousness before God. That's going to have your sin paid for. That's going to have you uh, the joy of knowing that even, even if something were to go on, you've got eternity with this one that you love so much to look forward to. You have eternity with the Father and with the Son to look forward to. Understanding that we will be in fellowship with Him. That is the point. That's the point of all of Scripture. So today I would say, if you don't know Him... Uh, you may accept all the, th- I could stand up here and give you the doctrines of the faith. And there are doctrines that you need to believe. I could give you all those doctrines, but it is possible for you to say, yes, I believe every single thing you just said and not have a relationship with this person, Amen. not have a relationship with Christ. You can say, yes, I believe all those things. But the question John's asking right here in the first four verses, have you experienced him? Have you trusted in him? I know you believe the fact that he was born and that he that he died and that the fact that he was risen from the grave. I know that you I know that you understand the history. But have you ever encountered this person? Has he ever come and spoke to you and said, you know what? I I want you to come and be in relationship with me. I want to pay for your sin. I want you to to uh, trust in me. I want you to repent and and and. Uh, and, and become my disciple. I want you to come and follow me to pick up your cross, deny yourself and follow me. Do you know this? Do you know this man? The question is not, do you understand the, the, uh, the step one, step two, step three? All those are necessary. I'm not saying anything wrong with those. Yes, you will have to repent. Step one. Yes, you will have to believe step two. And so all that's true. 
All that's true. There's not anything disparaging to say that it's steps or whatever. I'm just telling you that salvation is a man. Jesus Christ of Nazareth. It's fellowship with the Father and the Son. Fellowship with this God of the universe. So understand the question I'm asking today. The question that John starts off with just in the very first four verses is, do you know this man? Do you know this man that came and died for your sin? Do you know this man who existed in eternity? This this second person of the Trinity, this this Christ, this son of God who existed with the father from the beginning. Do you know him? I know you know all about him, but do you know him? He says, if you'll come to me, I I'll give you rest. If you're heavy, weary, burdened down. You come to me and I'll give you rest. And then he says, you know, my yoke is easy, my burden's light. But he says, you will find rest for your soul. That's the joy, that your joy may be full. Today, if you don't know him, it's a lot of people here that would love to, would love to introduce you. Come and meet, meet my Savior Jesus. Meet my Lord. He, he, he's a good Lord. And he loves you. And he, he came and he died for your sins. So understand that what we're talking about today, all day long, is going to be, come meet this Jesus. He'll save you from your sin. And he'll give you fellowship with the only true God. Father, we love you. We come for you today and we thank you. We ask that you would just uh, bless your word as we have just read it, God. Those first four verses of first.